three and eight, like, there's no point. Like, you're literally just playing at this point for draft position. Like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to For the People <laughs> Football. I am Steven. This, this is your boy Tyler. We got Silent Pat in the background. We were gonna hit you off with some uh, Hall of Fame talk. We're gonna talk a little bit real quick. We're having a bit of a pre-draft or a pre-podcast talk. When it comes to draft position and being a fan of your team, is it make you a bad fan if you're having a terrible season? If you're like, you know what, fuck it, let's lose out so we can get a higher draft pick for the future. Does that make you a bad fan? Because I don't think it does. I'm all for it, honestly. Like, what's the worst thing you can do in football? To me, literally, what's the worst thing you can do in football? Be 8-8, eight eight. Like, yeah. right? Ask, ask, ask the Rams when Jeff Fisher was there. Ask the, ask the Cowboys when Tony Romo was there. When you're 8-8, eight eight, you don't get, seven a, nine you don't get a great seasons. draft pick. You yeah. never make the playoffs. Your fans are just expecting you're mediocre. Yeah, I would you're stuck there at eight and eight. I would rather be two and fourteen with a chance to have the number one or two overall pick than be eight and eight and miss the playoffs. Yeah, because then you're eight and eight. It's like, and you, I mean, obviously, every team, anybody could be a bust. We've, we've <laughs> seen it. Yeah, but if you have like the, one of the top five picks, you have a better chance of taking a guy that's actually going to be a game changer, right? Yeah, and everyone's like, "Well, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick." Fuck Tom Brady. That no one knew that. Day. Yeah, that no. doesn't happen every When day. you're a top five pick, you are proje- You have all the talent in the world. You are a superstar in college who should translate to a day one starter and impact player in the NFL. I would rather take that than the 15th overall pick who might be a guy like, well, let's go back. So the Broncos, who were 9-7 and seven when they drafted one Garrett Bowles in the 20th, right? Yeah, let's talk about that. Or they could have been higher up in the draft and drafted Ryan Ramchak. So, to be fair, I think the Saints got Ryan Ramchak yeah, after like thirty-two. Yeah, they got him after. <laughs> but so you have to have a spectacular draft class to get out of that rut. The Saints had the draft class; they went seven and nine, and they had the Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara draft class that just went crazy. I think that might have been the Ramchak draft class too. Um, I'm talking about Ryan Ramchak. All right, this is the number one ranked right tackle in the NFL right now. Guy's ridiculous. Garrett Bowles, who has more holding calls than games played. <laughs> yeah, think about that. Ouch. Think about that. <laughs> Garrett Bowles has more holding calls than games played. Ugh. Yeah. That's like, uh, what was the dude's name? Giacomini. Oh, Dude yeah, was a it. walking penalty. <laughs> Seahawks. Yeah, and he played for the Jets, too. Yeah, absolutely. Just a walking penalty. No, I, I would rather a team be bad, like the Broncos have been. But you got to be transparent. Like, John Elway's over here like, we're a great football team. We're just losing games. We're not trying to rebuild. Like, no, bro. Say we're a bad football team. Trade away assets. Get draft picks and rebuild. Well, and that's what I love about what Miami's doing right now. Like, they're being transparent. They're like, hey, we're not playing great football. We're, we're not doing well. Yeah. But they're building. Oh, that, they're that's the plan. They're trading away all their pieces. Uh, the thing is, like, you get great draft picks that way. Like, the Browns did it. Yeah. I mean, you get Baker. You got Garrett. Maybe they have Garrett. We'll see. But the, the greedy the slinging helmet swinger. They got greedy Williams. I just think I think it's not. I think it's wrong for you to hate another fan or bash on another fan for saying, "Look, the season's lost. Let's lose out games. Let's get a better draft pick to prepare for the future." Because you're your franchise quarterback. So, so if you're bad, you probably have a bad quarterback, right? Yeah. Let's be real. Typically. You're not going to get a franchise quarterback more often than not at the end of the first, right? You're going to get him higher up. You're Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, 
Those guys are all on the top of the rounds. Jared Goff, not everyone's Lamar Jackson who gets traded, you know, picked up at 32. Yeah. Yeah, looking at that Saints draft class, that's disgusting. So they got Marshawn Lattimore in the first. Okay. Ryan Ramchek in the first. Marcus Williams, who's the number two rated free safety in the NFL right now, in the second. AK in the third. Alex Anzalone, who's been hit and miss in the third. And then Trey Hendrickson, who's also been hit and miss in the third. They got four really, really, really good players in the first three rounds. Well, it's, and that's the kind of draft you have to put together well, if you're at 7 and 9. So the Broncos the last two years have put together a really good draft class. Like The last two drafts have been, two and three drafts have been really good for the Broncos. Now they've, had, they've missed on some players in Paxton Lynch and Garrett Bowles. Not going to talk about those guys. <laughs> but they've also picked up Justin Simmons, who in a lot of people around the league are saying this guy's the next great safety. Like the Broncos are going to have to pay him. They're already talking about 13 to $15 million per year for Justin Simmons. That's big for a safety, but he's making he's leading the team in tackles almost yeah. from the safety position. He's all over the field. He plays down, he plays up, he's a hybrid safety, six foot three. That dude's lanky, he can jump. He's set combine records for his vertical leap. Like the dude can get up there. But they draft Cortland Sutton, they draft Bradley Chubb, they draft Justin Simmons. Will Parks hasn't been bad. They draft Dalton Reisner last this last year. Um they have some pieces they've drafted. Oh, right, here we go. Bam. Last so this last year right here, we're not going to talk about Garoppolo. I don't want to talk about Garoppolo. <laughs> so the last two years we drafted Bradley Chubb, who is obviously towards the ACL this year, but last year had an outstanding rookie season, like twelve sacks. Um, Cortland Sutton, who's turned into a legitimate number one wide receiver in the NFL, he's top ten in receiving yards. Royce Freeman has not been a bad back. He's been a good little backup. Um, you go to this year, Noah Fant in the first round. He's had a couple big games. Dalton Reisner's had a couple big games. So they've had some players, and like I said, Justin Simmons a couple years ago, if you get word of that, uh, uh, that 2017 draft class, which was like the worst one. They don't have anyone that's still on the team besides Jake Butt, and he's he's just not healthy. But then you had Justin Simmons and, and Connor McGovern, who's now their center, and Andy Janovich, who is by far and away one of their best players as a fullback. You've got to have these draft classes to, to really get out of the funk, right? Some of these, some of these, you have to have a bad pick. You have to have a bad team. To... Not every pick is going to turn into a starter. Well, so if you think about it, the Broncos had the tenth overall pick, right? This last year, they missed. They traded that away to the Steelers. The Steelers go ahead and get Devin Bush, which hurts my heart. I still would rather have Devin Bush than Noah Fant. But they take that pick, they move it to twenty. They get Noah Fant. They get an extra second round pick and an extra third round pick. They use one of those second round picks on Dalton Reisner. Use that extra third round pick they got paired with a fourth round pick, traded back up into the second round to get Drew Locke because they had a terrible pick to begin with. You can trade away and get more picks to get better players. That's just how that works. Yeah. So if you're sitting there, I just if you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, my season's lost. If you are three and eight, it is unreasonable to expect your team to go. You know what? We're going to go five and zero oh for the rest of the season. We're going to go undefeated. Be eight and eight. What does 8-8 eight eight give you? Everyone goes, it's an auto-losing record. At least we won games. You are 3-8 for a reason. You're not going to win five See, more games. For me, if you're at 2-13 two and, two and 13, and you want to prove something, prove it. You're going to be 3-13. Three and, three and 13. Whatever. Prove that at that point. But, it, yeah, 2-8, don't go out. And I'm not, I'm not saying just tank. Don't go out there and run three runs right up the middle and take a knee and punt. Play the games. But it's okay to lose those games. For a reason, you know, 
don't be out there just trying to tank because you have to build a winning culture. Yeah. You got to understand that you can't just go in there and go, well, we're going to lose, guys. Because guys like Vaughn Miller and Chris Harris and Justin Simmons aren't going to want to stick around yeah, the Broncos. Like, we don't want to lose every week. want to be here, right? But if you go to them and say, hey, like, this season's kind of lost. Like, go out there, get your stats. Like, hey, if you want to put stats up, maybe we get ready. If you can go to a different team, fine. Ball out for you. But if you continue to play, we're going to have a better pick next year. We'll get our quarterback. We'll get our guy. And we'll get back in this. There's a guy that was on the Broncos, and I don't know. I just know his Instagram name, the Mad Fanatic. Every game after they lose, including this last game against Buffalo, where they push him to 3-8, and eight, he's like, we're winning the next five, five and over the next. You can't tell me different. And I'm like, dude, you're fucking stupid. Yeah, you you're don't dumb. Need that. You Stop don't that. that. At all. Like you're, it's you're setting unreasonable expectations for a team that has Brandon Allen as a starting quarterback. Brandon Allen was a third string quarterback cut by the Rams that the Broncos decided to pick up. Like that's that's your that's your hope. As a well, guy I that, remember when the Saints were in their seven and nine slide. I remember just wishing they would go three and thirteen. Like just. just Get Obviously, we got out of it because we had the great draft class, but I remember just being like, just stop. Like, I don't want to be the Cowboys for the next seven years. And that's the worst part, right? So, like, if you go back, we can talk about the Niners real quick. The Niners had a chance to do the same thing, where they said, you know what? We can be mediocre. Um, we can be 8-8, eight 7-9. Eight, Even 10-6 and six is not a great place to be. It might get you in the playoffs. But you go back and look at their draft class, what they got for being as bad as they were. And I think Solomon Thomas is probably the worst pick they had. And Solomon Thomas is kind of finally coming around because he's got a lot of talent around them. But like, I think Patrick's looking up a draft class for him. You, like I said, Nick Bosa, high number two overall pick. Forrest Bunkner was up there. Um, Eric Arm- Armstead was up there. Um, yeah, basically that whole defensive line two, were top ten picks. Top ten picks. Like, they're insane, right? And then you still go get some decent guys in the back end, like Michaela um, um, Witherspoon from... Um, Colorado, he's a, like a second or third round pick. Jimmy Ward was a high round pick. Right here, yeah, let's look right here. Bam. Mm-mm. Last two years, actually, let's go last three, because their best player is is in the last three years. So, this last year, Nick Bosa, number one. Debo Samuel was two. Debo Samuel's having a great year all of a sudden. You haven't seen anything from Jalen Hurd because he's been hurt. But then last year, 2008, their first pick, number nine overall, Mike McGlinchey. They get a freaking franchise tackle. Um, Fred Warner in the third. He's a franchise. He's a franchise linebacker. He's been playing really well. Uh, DJ Reed. He hasn't had a bad season as a corner um, in a while. Let's go back here. Richie James is a return guy. Solomon Thomas, number three. Uh, Solomon Thomas is a great, great pick. I mean, he wasn't actually, but not at the time. Not he's not turning time. into a good player all of a sudden. Reuben Foster. We. Ruben Foster could had some have, issues. Could have been the best pick in a long time yeah. for that team. but Akela Witherspoon, like I said, he's playing. He's their starting corner. It's uh, a great pick. Um, CJ Beathard played some games for him at quarterback. You can't, you know, George Kittle in the fifth, right? So they had a high fifth-round pick, then go grab some of these guys. After you get into like, the third round, I don't really care, but George Kittle was a fifth-round pick, so yeah. you got to talk about it. A him. lot of times outside of the third round, you're not expecting a guy to come in and start. And then so you go back again, 2016, to Forrest Bunkner, number seven overall. You've got now on that line DeForest Bunkner, Solomon Thomas, um, Nick Bosa, and in there with with uh, Fred Warner, like that's a solid front seven. And, and then DeForest you... Bunkner was another one of those guys out there in San Francisco though, where they picked him, they saw the potential, they just didn't have the pieces at the time. So oh. DeForest Bunkner didn't play as well as he has been. And so another for guy, a while. And so another guy on their line that gets picked in the fifth was Ronald Blair. So again, 
don't have to have a high draft pick to go get a guy in the fifth. But Ronald Blair is playing really well. Um, and then you go back to 2015, so we've gone back a little bit of ways here. But the last five years, they've been building and building and building in the first round. Eric Armstead, number 17 overall, so they got lucky there. But he's had a great couple seasons. He's good there. And you go back down one more. Oh, right there behind uh, Eric Armstead in the second round, Jaquizzi Tart. He's still their top safety, like the guy's top flight. So you go back one more, 2014. That's where I'm going to end this whole list. Jimmy Ward. That's kind of the last guy. So 2014, first-round pick, Jimmy Ward. Like, they traded up to get Jimmy Ward. They didn't have a draft pick, but they had other picks they had amassed to get up and yeah. get Jimmy Ward. It's okay to be bad if you have a plan like the Niners. Build, 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 build a team. It is tough, though, to be bad for that oh, long. Oh, yeah, no. It's, I, you know, <laughs> I watched my dad. Because that plan took a long time to come to fruition, and luckily now they're in a spot where they're playing really well. But had they been three and thirteen this year, oh yeah, no, they'd be you're like, oh, well, and so uh. they they should have been better than they were last year. They didn't have a receiver. Now they had to go and get Emmanuel Sanders, and he's been banged up. George Kittle had a great year. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo, and as much as we aren't super big fans of Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, we understand. <laughs> we understand that Jimmy Garoppolo is a capable quarterback. He's better than C.J. Beathard. He's better than Nick Mullins. He's better than what they had. Yeah, and it's apparent, right? I'm still gonna call him Jared Goff two point Jared Goff two point <laughs> They had this big, grand idea, and it worked. And they finally got everything put together, and now they're having a great payoff, right? Great great plan, great payoff. And now they're going to have to pay all those guys, though. And that's when that's shit a gets a little dicey. <laughs> What's one thing that helps you in that is winning. Yeah, if you can look around and go, hey, we're winning, we have time. And now they still have time. They're going to have to pay – they're going to have to pay Eric Armstead, Eric Armstead – and he's probably not going to earn the big bucks. Then next is probably Jimmy Ward and and Jaquizzi Tart. They haven't earned the big money, so they're probably fine there. But they've rolled key pieces. The big one's going to be is going to be DeForest Buckner. Yeah, he's the D-line first big one. Need to get paid. And Fred Warner, the first two that are going to have to come up that are going to get paid, and that's going to be a problem. But if they're winning and they're like, hey, we go to the playoffs, we go to the NFC Championship this year, and they lose out, right? And the Niners like. We, we made it to the NFC Championship. We're still building. We're getting another big receiver this year. We're getting a, a, a bell cow running back. That team is going to be like, you know what? Fine. I'll sign a three-year hometown discount deal. I'll save you $5 million a season, $3 Some million a season. Will. Well, Not everybody's like that. No, but if you're winning, it helps. Yeah. No, if I you're agree. the Broncos and you're losing, guys like Chris Harris Jr. don't want to say, I'm not going to take 12 this year. I want 15. Yeah. I'm tired of losing. You want me to be here. you got to pay me to be here. You take discounts to go win Super Bowls. You don't take discounts to go 3-13, and <laughs> right? That's bad business. Yeah. I just, that was something we were kind of talking about, and that wasn't anything we were going to talk about, but we started talking about that path of, does it make you a bad fan to want your team to lose to get a better future? You get a little bit of behind the scenes for For the People Football. You get a little worked up right there. (laughs) Somebody called me a bad fan for saying I wanted the Broncos to lose out. Now that Drew Locke's supposed to start Sunday, though, I want them to win out. I don't even care. Well, obviously, you want your team to show you something. So, let me ask you a question. Outside in, because I'm biased, right? Mm-hmm. We all are a little bit. The Broncos have five games left, right? Mm-hmm. Let's count them out. They're starting their second-round pick, Drew Locke, somebody they should have started legitimately weeks ago, but because of mismanagement on John Elway and Vic Fangio's part, they let a guy who was healthy since week two sit on IR up until right now. He's still technically on IR with Joe Flacco as a quarterback. Is there a way that Drew Locke can go out there and put up legitimate stats, but the Broncos go 1-4 or 0-5, and, and he still looks like the guy of the future? 
Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees went out during the seven nine years, lit it up. Granted, the Broncos' defense, I think, is better than the Saints' defense was at that point. Obviously, we had the worst defense of all time. <laughs> so you can go out and ball and still lose football games. It yeah. happens every week. Quarterbacks put up 300 yards and three touchdowns and still lose football games. That's kind of my hope is, like, what's a good settling for a second-round player that's just coming into his first season here the last week 13? If you're at, like, 220 and a touchdown, two, 220 and two touchdowns. I think the biggest thing for me, for Drew Locke, would be, hey, don't throw interceptions. Don't make mistakes. Don't put us in bad situations yourself. You know what I mean? If we're in a bad situation, mm-hmm. go out and handle it. Yeah. But don't put us in bad situations. So they got some games coming up I think are winnable. Um, the Chargers, that's a tough test for Drew Locke to start. And I know everyone's talking about, well, the Chargers have been back. Well, they're just getting, as Patrick said before the show started, Derwin James back. So Drew Locke's first start is going to be against Derwin James, Melvin Ingram, and Joey Bosa. Yeah, good luck. That's Good luck in a big way. That's not fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But then you got the Texans. Their defense isn't great. J.J. Watt's still out. I'm fairly confident. See, that's Chiefs. a game. That could be a lot of fun, though. If he goes out and plays well against Deshaun Watson. Yeah. If they go it, out and they turn it into a shootout and he looks good. Like... So if he battles, if he goes out and he battles <clears throat> an aging Phillip Rivers and he gets him close, right? Mm-hmm. If it's a 27-24 to 24 loss, but he battled Phillip Rivers and Phillip Rivers looks yeah. good against that defense, that's a great game, right? If he goes out and they beat the Texans or even if they lose to the Texans and Deshaun Watson and they battle that out again. Like, that's the key for me for Drew Locke. Go out there and battle the Chargers, battle Deshaun Watson, battle Patrick Mahomes. Even if he's throwing game-losing interceptions. If you're in a spot where you're a touchdown down and he yeah, throws the game-losing interception, I'm cool with that. It happens. I'm 100% okay with that. But their, their next five games, their last games here, are the Chargers, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Lions, and Raiders. All of which, five. All of which I think are winnable, except for the Chiefs game. And that's maybe because Patrick Mahomes hasn't been playing well. Yeah. But I don't want them to go win all those games. Because <laughs> you can still go out and you're, you say, and you look at it, if you win all these games and Drew Locke's your guy, what do you need a top five pick to go get a quarterback for? Like, you don't, right? Well, yeah, but if you go out and you lose all five of those games and Drew Locke does look good, yeah, you trade out of the top ten. And you get more picks. Or if there's a guy sitting there speaking about Garrett Bowles and there's a guy from Georgia or there's a guy from Nebraska sitting at – and there's two guys there, and I, don't, I just can't remember their names right now. Um, Tyler Biotish, um is one, I think, from Wisconsin, and then the, um, the big boy from – Georgia, I can't remember his name, but they're two like tackles that are supposed to be just, you know, plug and play tackles. Yeah. Take them at five. I don't care. Like everyone's like, you don't take a tackle in the top well, five. You can even trade back to twelve. Yeah. Trade back to twelve. Get a second first rounder. Yeah, another first rounder. Uh, maybe a couple seconds if that's yeah. where you have to go and build up. And you can get skilled position players because um, outside of Cortland Sutton, who do you guys have at receiver? <sighs> no one. We have a guy I like named Tim Patrick, just because he's six five, <laughs> and I think you can't have enough six five t- wide receivers. Yeah, you trade back, take a tackle late in the first, get an early second rounder, draft a receiver in a draft that's just full of really good receivers. Bam, yeah. you got two starters right there. You already took care of your quarterback. You yeah. found that out, and you still had a bad season, but you've prepared yourself yeah, you for the future. Put yourself in a position where you're gonna be good. Okay. Sooner rather than later. We're going to move on from the subject because it's a 20-minute rant <laughs> on personal stuff. Don't hate fans because you want your team to lose if they've already had a lost season. If you can't make the playoffs, if you've done been eliminated from the playoffs, lose out. Prepare well, for the future. There's a difference between being 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC West and being 8-8 eight and eight in the NFC East. Yeah. Because yeah. 8-8 eight eight will get you in the playoffs in the, the NFC, NFC East. East. Oh, that's the worst division in football. Yeah. I'm bar none. So... 
it, it, it's tough because eight and eight for the Cowboys is a whole lot different than eight and eight for the Broncos. We talk about eight and eight in the AFC, the, uh, the NFC East, real quick. What is going on with the Buffaloes up in the AFC East? Because the Bills, I mean, just getting it. Oh, they look legitimate. If they can go into New England and beat New England, it's got to be so demoralizing to be in that division, though. When you know that even going, if they win out and they go thirteen and three, mm-hmm. they're probably still a wild card team. That sucks. Yeah. You don't even get you go thirteen and three and you don't get a home field game in the playoffs. Ugh. I hope the Texans walk on the Patriots this weekend. That way the Bills can start climbing that ladder. That way if the Bills beat them at the end of the year and it's like a tie, the Bills get the tiebreaker and yeah. it's just like boom. Bills number <laughs> straight to the Super Bowl. Bills number one seed. The Patriots somehow have to go play like in Baltimore. In Baltimore and they lose and we don't have to see Tom Brady's stupid face anymore. <laughs> We are bolster. We are barstool sports. We don't like Tom Brady. We like Roger Goodell. That's a lie. Yeah, I'd elbow drop that guy. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna come back from this break here in a minute. We're gonna start talking about guys we believe should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't in the Hall of Fame that are eligible, and then we'll kind of go into some guys we think we hope to make to the Hall of Fame that aren't eligible yet. Um, so we'll we'll be right back. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, thanks for giving us a break there for a second. So we're gonna start talking about some players. We've been asked to do this before. Um, it's something I'm always get heated about. Um, it's one of my favorite topics in all of football, and that's players who should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't. Guys that you know, it's a, it's a great debatable topic. Like you can listen to this and go, "Nope, I disagree with you. How dare you say that person should be in there? That's a shame to everyone else involved." Philip Rivers. Or <laughs> it's it's one of the greatest debates because if you're in the Hall of Fame, it means you're one of the greatest players of your era and the greatest football players of all time. There's they're starting to stack up, so there's like well over like 200 people in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, yeah, you can't say all those players are better than anyone's ever played right now. Yeah, there's some old heads in there that they got in way back in the day that I just wouldn't agree are as good as some others. So we both kind of got some a list together, um, just some quick stats. We want to talk about some players. The guy I've always said deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, who's not in the Hall of Fame, and it's a crying shame, is a guy who was a major part of um, multiple Super Bowls for the, the San Francisco 49ers, and it was their running back, Roger Craig. Roger Craig, 8,189 rec- uh, rushing yards, 4,900 receiving yards, 73 total touchdowns, so it's, you know, he had a good, decent career. He was the first player to ever have 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving in a season. He was a big part of that offense. For a long time. And the fact that he's not in the, the, the Hall of Fame, to me, is, is a shame. There's a guy that, he has more receiving, he has more, um, he has more touchdowns. Um, but I'm going to go to a guy that's similar to him. And it was Lenny Moore for the Indianapolis Colts. Mm-hmm. If Lenny Moore is in the Hall of Fame, and Roger Craig is not, something needs to be flip-flopped. Like, Roger Craig needs to be in the Hall of Fame, or they need to kick Lenny Moore the fuck out of there. Well, I think if you think about this last year's Hall of Fame class, right? Yeah. It was similar in that they had to let Champ Bailey in, right? He had to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. Yeah. And by proxy, they had to let Ty Law in because the numbers were similar. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Like, I get that some players' numbers were great because they played for such a long time. Like, that happens. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're a bad player. If you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, I understand they only let 8 to 10 people in at a time. This year, they're doing 20. So, some guys are probably going to get righted, but there's still a lot of guys in the past that aren't going to get in, right? Yeah. They've released, like, their finalist list. 
And another guy left off that list that's probably not going to get in is Roger Craig. Um, so we'll stay with that. We'll go to Randy Gratish here in a minute. He's another Bronco that doesn't get in, mm-hmm. that I think deserves to be in. But Roger Craig, four-time Bowl pro, pro Bowler, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, three-time Super Bowl champion. Like I said, those the first player to ever have a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards season in this season. He was a part of that Joe Montana Joey Rice team, right? Yeah, yeah. That one. Do you think maybe that's because I know we talked about the reason Isaac Bruce isn't in is because of the whole greatest show on turf thing. Yes. Um, do you think it's because they already let Joe Montana, they already let Jerry Rice, Jerry in, yeah. Rice in? Yeah, and there's some other guys like Charles Haley, and, and it's, yeah. it takes some. It, it shouldn't be that way. And, and I know it's tough because we talked about it before letting in full groups, right? Yeah. And there's really no perfect way to do it, but like there's groups that changed football, right? And that 49ers offense changed football. Yeah. So everyone involved should have a part in that, and in a way they do, right? And Joe Montana getting in, Roger Craig could say, hey, I helped with that. Yeah, Roger Craig helped her. I got to see if, um, we'll check in a minute, if Dwight Clark's in the Hall of Fame. I don't think so. Because then that's another guy that you look at and go, he had the catch, but he was super important to those early teams. To be fair, though, when you bring up Dwight Clark, it's the catch. It's like the that, catch. That's it. It's- that's fair. No matter how good his career was, nothing tops the catch. So if you go back, and we're going to look at Lenny Moore real quick. New, like I said, he's an NFL. He was an NFL Hall of Famer. Um, he won MVP. Uh, he had 5,100 rushing yards, 6,000 receiving yards. Like his numbers were there. His numbers were slightly lower than Roger Craig's when I did the math. He did have more touchdowns. He had 63 rushing touchdowns, 48 receiving touchdowns. But he never won. Super Bowl, he never he never had the big games. Um, was there and Roger Craig was part of three of them. Yep. Won three of them. And that's where I'm saying he should be in. So that it's no offense to Lenny Moore, it's no offense to the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Colts and the Indianapolis Colts. All the Colts. He was part so he was part of those Baltimore teams that were Baltimore Colts that were there in Baltimore. And and then then went to Indianapolis, and so he's kind of in the Baltimore Ravens ring of fame. He's the he's late sixties, like right. So he got in way back in the day, yeah, way before Roger Craig was playing football, yeah. And so Roger Craig comes out and does what Lenny does what Lenny Moore does, but better to a point, and wins three Super Bowls and goes to Pro Bowls, but doesn't get the selection. Yeah, he doesn't get the nod because there's already a guy in there like that. So, I mean, there could be a case to be made that Roger Craig didn't have as many touchdowns. Fine. I don't think that makes you not Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, still an all-time great running back. He didn't make ESPN's top 100. So, <laughs> Lenny Moore didn't make that list. Yeah. And that's where that's going to get me. So, if Roger Craig didn't make the list, we talked about that. Curtis Martin didn't make the list. If you're going to put freaking Dutch Clark on there, how is Lenny Moore not on there? Another guy, like I said, over 5,000, almost 5,000 yards rushing and over 5,000 yards receiving. Like, he was the dual-purpose back before dual-purpose backs existed. And he's not on that list. So, anyway, who did you have as one of your guys? So, I know we talked about it a little bit. Yes. Um, I think the whole Dome Patrol linebacking group should be in. I know it's a homer pick. But they were voted the greatest linebacking group of all time, and the fact that only Ricky Jackson is in... Is disappointing. So, talked about Sam Mills potentially getting a bid this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about that because Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos, was like telling reporters that have Hall of Fame votes in in 
in Denver that they better they better vote for Sam Mills or else. Yeah, Sam Mills deserves to be in five foot eight, I think. Yeah, he was tiny. Dude, like five smash nine. fools at five foot nine. Yeah. Like Sam uh, Mills was ridiculous. Von Johnson's the only guy you could say doesn't deserve to be in. Yeah. Patrick Swilling though deserves to be in. So you said Swilling had what a hundred and seven sacks. Uh, and hundred and like hundred and seven or something. Hundred four. Hundred four. Could be wrong. Hundred four sacks. Four hundred ninety tackles. He played six interceptions. You said twelve seasons. Yep. So Von Miller played nine seasons, has a hundred and three sacks and a hundred or four hundred and seventy five tackles. And a lot of people think Von Miller's a walk in mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. That's my comp right there, right? Like that's so it's your close, yeah. And so Von's played two less seasons and has a little better stats. It's not crazy, yeah. right? He's averaged more, but Swilly should be in if that's your comp. If you're looking at Von Miller's a walk in Hall of Famer because of these stats right now. In a similar time set, Swilly had the same stats, yeah. and he's not in, and he played, and it's because and he it's, played in the dirty NFL too. And well, <laughs> and you got to think so. What were the, Pat Swilling had those numbers? Ricky Jackson, yeah, also I think 117 sacks from the middle linebacker position. Oh, uh, Ricky Jackson played outside. My bad. Well, still, <clears throat> um, yeah, 117. So Pat Swilling, uh, four time Pro Bowls. Two-time All-Pro. Like I, I just don't see how you don't let those guys in. The group as a whole, 18 Pro Bowls, 10 All-Pro selections. With the Saints alone. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's we've, we talked about it. Letting groups in. And I don't know how you let a group in unless you do it in like a... Its own category. Its own category, right? They're not like... They're all technically part of the Hall of Fame, but they don't have a bust in the Hall of Fame. They have a, a placard or a small section in the Canton Museum yeah. of, you know... The Just mo- the greatest groups of know, all like time. Like the Monsters Midway, the Purple People Eaters, the... The, the, the Lob, the, the... The Legion of Boom, the no Denver, fly zone. you know, No Fly Zone. Yeah. Those groups of guys... The Greatest Show on Turf should have... They its... deserve to have some... some Something to celebrate them in, the, in Canton. And whether that's once a year... From here on out, right, you have your big ceremony, right? Everyone's up to Hall of Fame. They're getting inducted. And before that, during the first, like, on, like, because I think it's on a Saturday. Yeah. So on a Friday, they do a thing. They go have one section built, and they have maybe still a bronze placard that has, like, their heads on almost like a Mount Rushmore type yeah. deal that just kind of has some of their achievements in a small area in Canton. And they unveil that, and they say, hey, here is the Dome Patrol. And they got all the guys there that are still alive and living, and they got all the teammates reminiscing about it. And it's kind of about them. That's their day. And then Saturday's about the the Hall of Famers, the guys that get elected in. At least give them something. Because I'm talking about it. I love Chris Harris and Akeem Tlaib and, and TJ Ward and, and Darian Stewart were all, were all great for me. I loved watching them play. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue I have is that Chris Harris and Akeem Tlaib are the only ones you might say in the and Keith Phillips coming in at the end of his career, I think he's kind of coasting down with some injuries. But Chris Harris, so maybe Chris Harris plays another four or five years, and he really gets up there and he has some great numbers. You say he might be a Hall of Famer. That group, maybe none of them are Hall of Famers, but it is still the best, one of the best secondaries to ever play football. Agreed. They need to be somewhat somehow, some way. They need to find a way to incorporate these great teams. Into... Yeah, exactly. Like we know that like Mike Singletary is like a Hall of Famer. We know that some of these guys that played for the Bears back in the day, they're all Hall of Famers, but we still talk about the 85 Bears linebacking court. Yeah. Like, 
those guys need to just have something in there, right? Agreed. The purple people eaters for the Vikings. They need to have something in there. Deacon Jones, when he was with the Rams, they actually had a front there that was pretty mean. The Steel Curtain. Yep. J- Jack Hammond and um, John Green, um, Ringo Green, sorry. Some <laughs> of those guys, they need to be immortalized more than just a name that we talk about every once in a while. Yeah. They need to have a placard there somewhere. I 100% agree. Yeah. So. They, yeah. They'll, they need to find a way to make that happen because it's. <sighs> I just. I don't know how they could do it without it being. It feels like it's almost unfair to some of the other guys in there, right? Like if Chris Harris's name, and like I said, I love Chris Harris, but if Chris Harris and Keith Lieb's name is in Canton with with Champ Bailey's and with Ed Reed's, it feels kind of dirty, doesn't it? To an extent, because obviously football is a team game. Yes. You've got to understand that some positional groups yeah. deserve that recognition, even though nobody on that list is at Champ Bailey's level. Nobody on that list is at Ed Reed's level. Understanding what they did in the time period that they did it, like the greatest show on turf. Yeah. They're not all going to be in the Hall of Fame, I don't think. We, we're going to get into that in a minute. But that squad should be immortalized in the Hall of Fame. It shouldn't just be the greatest show on turf that we talk about when we talk about great offenses. Agreed. Um, so the next guy I'm going to get into then is, this is one that irks me. I'm not a Rams fan by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Isaac Bruce, still not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, when he retired, he was second all-time in receiving yards. I think he is fifth now when we went and looked at it. Yeah. Um, Isaac Bruce not being in the Hall of Fame. Over 1,000 career receiving yards. Um, 15, over 15,000 receiving – or 1,000 receptions. Over 15,000 receiving yards. Uh, he had over 100 touchdowns, or right around there, things like 111 or some along those lines, touchdowns. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and he was part of the greatest offense to ever play at that yep. point in time, right? The early 2000s, late 90s. Is he not in the Hall of Fame because because Kurt Warner being in the Hall of Fame and Marshall Fox already in the Hall of Fame? I feel like it's got to be, and it's a fucking shame. Like, the fact that you're not going to get Torrey Holt in the Hall of Fame, the fact that you're not going to get... Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame. I, in my opinion, I don't think either of them are going to make it unless they make it in on a, a weak year. Yeah. They should both be in the Hall of Fame for what they did for that offense. And the fact that they're not is, is it, disappointing. So, 1,024 receiving er, receptions, mm-hmm. 15,208 receiving yards, 91 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And he still, he still doesn't get in the Hall of Fame. And now, like I said, you look at his numbers. And so he's had some, he had some down seasons, right? 94, he was a rookie. 272 yards. Don't care. 1995, he comes in and goes 1,781 receiving yards. Yeah. Only second to Jerry Rice. Right? The next year he comes in, leads the league in receiving yards, 1,338. Right? So Jerry Rice had to have a down year or something, right? Then he goes 815, and then uh, 457. He's hurt. He doesn't play full games those seasons. He only plays, uh, combined 17 games in those two seasons. Comes back, 1,165 yards, 1,400 yards. 1,100 yards, 1,000 yards, 981 yards, 1,200 yards, and then he starts his downtick with only one other 1,000-yard season after that with a bunch of 800 and 700-yard seasons in between. Yeah. Like, he has a great career, and he doesn't get to be in the Hall of Fame. Because he was a part of a great offense. Because he was part of a great offense. And that's, to me, it's it's mind-blowing to think a guy like, I'm going to get into another one because there's a guy that is in the Hall of Fame. 
I firmly does not I, I don't believe belongs in the Hall of Fame because Isaac Bruce and Rod Smith aren't in the Hall of Fame. Michael Irving deserves to not be in the Hall of Fame for the same reasons Isaac Bruce and Rod Smith don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They're the same players. Now, Isaac Bruce has numbers way better than both Rod Smith and, and Michael Irving. Though Michael Irving and Rod Smith are almost comparable in every way you look at it. Yeah. Isaac Bruce is a whole other level ahead of him. Putting Isaac Bruce, not putting Isaac Bruce in the Hall of Fame to me is like not putting Larry Fitzgerald in the Hall of Fame. Larry Fitzgerald's going to retire second all time. And if you don't put him in there, that's a crying shame, right? It's the same way. Isaac Bruce was Larry Fitzgerald before it was cool to be there. He was a consummate <laughs> professional. He, when he got the ball in the end zone, handed it to the ref, back to the sideline. He was always the nice guy. Yeah. Because he wasn't a loud diva like Des Bryant, he doesn't get to be in the Hall of Fame. See, for me, I understand why Michael Irving's in the Hall of Fame, right? Because it was Emmett Smith, Michael Irving, Troy Aikman. Yeah, the three, right? And then uh, Larry Allen, I think, is also. Larry Allen's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. So, I mean, I, I get that they put all four guys in, but at the same time, I if you're going to let those four in, why not let Isaac Bruce in? Why not let it if it's... Because it was Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner, who else got in on? Uh, well, those are the only two in right now. Yeah, let Isaac Bruce in. Let <laughs> Isaac Bruce in. Let, you know, you're talking about Torrey Holt being a semifinals this year. I love Torrey Holt. If Torrey Holt makes it in before Isaac Bruce, there's some problems. That's my hope, though, is that if they let... Tory Holt in, they have to let Isaac Bruce in. There's no way. It, I don't think Isaac Bruce will ever make the Hall of Fame. I think he's he, done been passed up. He needs to. He is, as the receiving yardage start racking up with guys like Steve Smith and Larry Fitzgerald and Julio Jones. These guys are starting to build. Isaac Bruce is getting pushed down the list, and he'll never make it. It's a shame. Yeah. So, the next guy I want to talk about... Tyler didn't do a whole lot of homework on this one. Yeah, no, I... Uh... I shit the bed on this one. <laughs> the next guy I want to talk about is a Bronco. We're going to bring up two players. We're going to bring up Rod Smith, three time or two-time Super Bowl champion, right, Rod Smith, and three-time Super Bowl champion Michael Irving. Their numbers are so damn near identical in, in the grand scheme of things. And actually, if you go into the messages, Pat, I actually have the things ready to go on this one. Because oh, yeah. this is this is my biggest one of my biggest beefs at the Hall of Fame. I I would fight Michael Irving on site for this one. Good luck. No, he's, he's a big boy. He probably still <laughs> will right? So, where did we go? Right, right, right here. Three. T- so, Michael Irving, three-time Super Bowl champion, right? We all know that. 750 receptions, 1,900 or 11,904 receiving yards, 65 touchdowns. That's not a bad career. We agree to that. It's nowhere near Isaac Bruce, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Rod Smith, two-time Super Bowl champion. 849 receptions, 11,389 receiving yards, 68 touchdowns. Their numbers are damn near identical. They, Michael Irving has one more Super Bowl on the back of another great team, right? Now, John Elway's in the Hall of Fame. Shannon Sharp's in the Hall of Fame. Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame. They're just not going to let Rod Smith in because those three are in the Hall of Fame? Is that the same reason? That's the only thing I can figure. And it blows my mind. What If you're truly a great team, are you saying that Rod Smith was only good because we, people had to worry about TD and, and Shannon Sharp? Was that their thought? Like, hey, we have to worry about these guys. Like, <laughs> fucking leave that little lanky wide receiver wide open and let him have it. Rod Smith was key to winning some Super Bowls, right? Before they got there, it was Mark Jackson. And Mark Jackson is a good receiver. 
but he wasn't Rod Smith. Rod Smith truly transformed the Bron- He's the Broncos' all-time leading receiver. Yeah. Like, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He transformed. He won games. He was big in 1996 and 1997. He was big in 95 when they lost to the freaking Jaguars. Could you argue that... Without Rod Smith, the Broncos don't win a Super Bowl. But could you argue, because Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, Larry Allen, Michael Irvin all make it. Could you argue that the Broncos team was better all around than that Cowboys team? No, because of Emmitt Smith and that line. The That's Broncos true. had a great, they had a good offensive line. They finally had a good offensive line. And and John Elway was the end of his career. Obviously, he retired after the two Super Bowls, right? It was the end of it. Do I think Terrell Davis is a better running back than than uh, Emmitt Smith? No. Do I think that offensive line was better than what the Cowboys had? No. None of them are Hall of Famers. Larry Allen is, right? Do I think John Elway is a better quarterback than Troy Aikman? Yeah, far Hell and yeah. away. Hell yeah. <laughs> far and away. Do I believe that Rod Smith is so much better than Michael Irving? No. Would I still take Michael Irving over Rod Smith? Maybe. Probably. He was a little more talented. The issue I have is the stats are so damn near identical in every way minus one Super Bowl. So, do you think the Hall of Fame voting is broken? Yeah. No, it's biased. It seems bad and consistent. Oh, it's, it's America's team. Let's get a cowboy in there. Right? It's yeah. these teams. It's San Francisco. San Francisco was the golden child of the NFL for yeah, a, long for a time. long time. Let's get them in there, right? Like, we talk about these players. We talk about guys. The Broncos were a bad franchise, and they were an AFL franchise. They For a long time, there was a there was a, there was was kind of this ban on AFL franchises. Yeah, there's like, like a stigma. NFL, they're like, eh, you guys aren't NFL players. You're AFL players playing on the NFL franchise. Yeah. Like, we're not going to just let you in. And they're finally letting some guys... I can go off on an entire list of Broncos that aren't in the Hall of Fame that need to be. Rod, um, like I said, Rod Smith's not in the Hall of Fame. Raddy Gladysher, I'll talk about here in a second, is not in the Hall of Fame. Um, Steve Atwater. Anyone that listens to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk about Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater is one of the greatest safeties to play this game. Yeah. And he's net, he's not in. He couldn't play in this era anymore because he was so... He wanted to ruin people's <sighs> careers. He ruined people's <laughs> careers. You remember Christian Okoye? You remember yeah. that hit? The um, Nigerian nightmare the came Nigerian up and nap. crushed him. <laughs> right, he had a running mate, Dennis Smith, who wasn't as good as Steve Atwater, but should be in the Hall of Fame because they ruined guys' careers. Yep. That Orange Crush defense with Chom Jackson, who does the with Boomer, the um, he's a NFL broadcaster, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Jackson had a, a a bad career, and people talk about him as being, no, he was probably the best Broncos defender at the time. Randy Gladisher, 2,000 career tackles in 10 seasons, 200 tackles a season. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. Carl Mecklenburg, his stats don't look great. He's got like 50 <laughs> sacks, a couple hundred tackles, like 900 tackles. He's got some interceptions. The issue is he was a six foot six linebacker who played all front seven positions and played corner safety and both safety positions. He played 11 positions on the defense. For 12 years. <laughs> he would drop back into coverage all the time. There was a game where he literally played all 11 positions in one game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, just put him in there. Just, just like, stand on the field Those guys somewhere. don't get in because of the numbers, right? And that, that's something that bugs me. If the NFL is all about numbers, and I'm a statistic guy. Like, I, I, I will burn you down with stats. But there is to a point where you have to look at the tape and go, what did this guy do? Yeah, it's a cumul- for me, the Hall of Fame should be a cumulative effort, right? It should be stats, 
games won and enter overall impact on the game. That's why a guy like, for me, a guy like Patrick Willis should get in. Yeah, Patrick Willis. A guy like Megatron should get in. Yes. Uh, Your impact on the game should take precedence over longevity to an extent. Yeah. Over statistics to an extent. Like, guys that change the game should be in the Hall of Fame. Guys like Mike Vick should be in. Uh, Guys like Randall Cunningham, change the game, should be in. Guys like Lamar Jackson playing now, if he continues the way he's playing, should be in. So, we've talked about some players that their stats aren't great, but they legitimately changed the game of football. I, for a long time, have been a big proponent of Michael Vick. Michael Vick being in the Hall of Fame. Now, he's not eligible. He's, yeah. he's it, not no, eligible as as he yet. as soon as he is eligible. He but as soon as he's eligible, maybe he's not a first ballot. But you look at him maybe the second year or the year after that and go, he only had 25,000 career passing yards. He at, still leads the NFL. I think he's still the all-time leading rusher by a quarterback. I don't know if Lamar Cam Jackson's going to ruin but, that. I oh, think Cam actually Cam Cam has more that. rushing touchdowns. I don't know about yeah. yardage. Yeah. The thing was, Michael Vick changed the game, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't fair. He it wasn't laid the groundwork for guys like Lamar Jackson and Cam It Newton. wasn't Steve Young. He wasn't even Cam Newton because Cam Newton... Cam Newton's his own, was his own thing. He couldn't cut, right? Yeah. He was just a big runner. Like, he can get out in space and good luck bringing him down. Mm. Steve Young was a fantastic runner. But it was a lot of, like, straight line. Once Steve Young got going, you weren't going to always be able to catch him. Yeah. Like, he did a lot of rolling. It was fun to watch. Michael Vick could stop on a dime, break an entire defensive line's ankles, and then run another 40 Michael yards for a touchdown. Michael Vick was a running back that played quarterback really well. If you go back... Michael Vick had every the entire arsenal of a running back. The thing when you think about Michael Vick, you talk about how great Michael Vick was, right? Mm-hmm. We, we do. Everyone says, remember watching Michael Vick play. He was so great. The Falcons were so bad when Michael Vick played. Yeah, they never won games. Like they weren't. He his win loss record wasn't great. His interception touchdown record was not great. Uh, his fumbles lost not fantastic. His passing yards also not super great. But every time Michael Vick touched a football, you were like everyone held your breath. Yeah. Like what's he going to do? Well, and even because even late in his career when he was in Philadelphia, yeah. He was still, you were like, oh shit, Michael Vick can go for 80 yards right here. Like <laughs> Michael Vick, so I remember the game. Um, I, I arm wrestled the guy that played in the the, uh, the Deshaun Watson Miracle to Meadowlands too. I arm yeah. wrestled Colt Anderson who set a block. Yeah, here's my claim to fame, guys. Set a block <laughs> for Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson on that return. Went to the same high school as me. I just, <laughs> just pointing that out there. There's my, there's my claim to the NFL. Everyone's now got one. Now we know. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, rushing right here. 6,100 yards rushing in his career. 6,100 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... How many years did he play? Uh, One fourteen, fourteen 14 years. Not including... The years he was... Yeah, so if you go 2001 to 2006, uh, all with Atlanta, and then he came back to the NFL three years later in 2009 to 2015. Nothing happened in between those. Nothing. He was off yeah. being peaceful and yeah, not he was being rude to animals. Metal world peace. <laughs> <laughs> but you talk about, so like I said, the 6,100 yards rushing, 36 touchdowns, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go up to our passing. Let's check that out. This one up here is just blank. The other one didn't show it. These just showed <laughs> blank. Uh, poor Michael. 22,464 um, passing yards, 133 touchdowns, uh, 88 interceptions. Like his rate wasn't great. But we remember him for being 
great. Arguably right? the most electrifying football player of all time outside of maybe LT. Right? Like, he was so... So transcendent. He was dynamic. He, well, oh, he was he the brought something, dynamic. Yeah, he brought something new that everybody was like, oh shit, how do we... How do we stop yeah, this? Yeah, how do we deal with this guy? And that, that's the thing. He, cha- he legitimately changed the game. Mm-hmm. The game had to be changed because of Michael Vick. I take away the numbers. And numbers go, he was a mediocre to good quarterback and a really, that never really, won and a really, really good running back. But you talk about him like he was the greatest thing to ever walk in the NFL. Yeah. Everyone our generation, right? We're in the age group. I'm, you know, I'm 27, 25. Patrick's up here. 98. <laughs> we all remember Michael Vick in the early 2000s. We were young enough to see Michael Vick play and go, I want to be that. Mm-hmm. Patrick was, you know, in his more formative years back in the teenagers, was going, dude, this guy's unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Like playing Madden in 2004, going, let me hit that joystick. Like, let me just play with Michael Vick, and I'm going to win this game. <laughs> <laughs> they were still using the D pad, bro. <laughs> Atari. <laughs> so, speaking of guys that were electric with the football, um, this is a guy we spoke about a little bit. Where's Devin Hester's place in Kent? <sighs> There is no, there is no return specialist in Canton. Um, guys that were able to return the football. Because Devin has he won a lot of football games for those Bears teams by uh, himself. Yes, I mean he took the opening kick of the Super Bowl and scored. Now they lost the Super Bowl to Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning is a different breed. Yeah, but Devin Hester has fourteen punt return for t- uh, punt returns for touchdowns. Six kick returns for touchdowns, I believe. Oh, I'm getting the facts. Let's let me go look at this. Let me see if I was. On I think that. he had more than that. No, because he only had twenty combined. I thought it was like twenty three. Nope. Sons of bitches. Uh, so oh, punt returns for touchdowns, fourteen. What did I say, fourteen? Yeah, here we go. Kick returns for touchdown, um, five. So he had nineteen. My bad math, dude. <laughs> I just gave him like 19. So he wasn't a great receiver. He only had like 3,000 receiving yards and 16 touchdowns as a receiver. But we do remember Devin Hester, and right? He changed the game of football a little kick bit. kick to Devin yeah. Hester. You do not kick the football to Devin Hester. Yeah. Right? We talk about this like if they, they change these kickoff rules, like. You kick the ball out of bounds, get it at the 45. That's better than kicking it to Devin Devin Hester. Hester, Like, we remember (laughs) it. And it seems like it was – and it wasn't every time he touched the football. Because it wasn't. It just – he would have had 200 touchdowns. Devin Hester, though, made it cool to return kicks. Well, that was the thing was you were so so scared. And that's – so we'll get into that one in a second because that's my dad's go-to guy when I bring up Devin Hester. Is when you kicked the ball to Devin Hester or when you were lining up for a punt – the broadcasters always – it didn't matter if Devin Hester hadn't returned a kick. There was a time where he was going to the Falcons. He hadn't returned a kick in like three years. And then he took – And everyone's like, he hasn't returned a kick in three years. Like, you know, do you still test Devin Hester? And I remember the commentator going, no, you don't. You don't mm-hmm. test him. I don't care if it's been three years. And they kicked the ball to Devin Hester, and it's 104 yards to the house. Yep. Devin Hester changed the game of football. Yeah. Same with Dante Hall. Dante Hall in Kansas City. As a Broncos fan, I was young, but I still remember that little fucker running all over Denver, making him look stu- like making us look stupid. 
Dante Hall changed the game of football. They were the two guys. They were the two return guys. And they will never get the love because Dante Hall at running back wasn't very good. <laughs> Devin Hester at corner and wide receiver wasn't very good. But they were such dynamic players. They found a way to make teams. an impact. Yeah, and that's the thing. Special teams guys don't make the Hall of Fame, right? Like Ray Guy, the punter. Um, um, Morton Anderson. Morton Anderson, the kicker. Eventually we'll get Vinatieri Adam in. Vinatieri in there. Um, Sebastian Janikowski most likely, maybe. I doubt it. You don't think so? No. Not with a guy like... Not with a guy like so Jason Elam, who was one of the more accurate kickers in NFL history, and Matt Bryan, who was a very accurate kicker for Atlanta. They'll never make the Hall of Fame. I don't think a guy like Sebastian does. Seabass would only make it because, even though he was a good kicker, he was a novelty. What about my my homer pick for this whole topic? Do you think Thomas Morstead gets in for the ambush play? <laughs> no. Arguably the most gutsy call in Super Bowl history, onside kicking it to Peyton Manning to start the half? No. I just... It's it's tough for me to put special teams in the Hall of Fame, and it's not because I don't want special teamers to be in the Hall of Fame. He's also top three net punt average all well, time. and that's the thing. Like, Ray Guy is the greatest punter of all time, and he's not. In, I mean, he's the only one in the Hall of Fame. What about... Okay, let me drop one more name here, because it's the guy I wanted to talk about. Matthew Slater. <sighs> No. You don't think so? No, my issue with Matthew Slater is his numbers are nowhere near as... It, it's weird to me he's played as long as he has because... He does he, one thing. Well, he does a lot of things, but... Because he doesn't return kicks. He just ends guys' careers on <laughs> kicks. We said it a couple years ago. This is kind of... Sorry, guys. This is a weird podcast. We were, <laughs> it's been a long week. Thanksgiving, we wanted to give you something. So we're just kind of giving our own little unprepared homework ticker. I believe it was last year... With the Patriots against the Rams. It was, because we were talking with Chris. And we were talking about Matthew Slater. Because like, the dude's been in just so many Pro Bowls. Yeah. He's been with the Patriots, number 18. We were talking about it like, like we're saying, like, Matthew Slater is going to go down and he's going to wreck whoever's returning the football. Yeah, every time. Every time. And Chris is like, I don't know who you guys are talking about. So we're watching this. And we're all three separate. We're not, we're not in the same room. We're not in the same house. And Chris sends us a text on that opening kickoff. He goes, whoever number 18 is for the Patriots just wrecked that returner. And we're both like... That's Matthew Slater. Yeah. <laughs> That's Matthew Slater. I guarantee you, come playoff time, the first guy down there hitting you is Matthew Slater. Yeah, every time. It blows my mind that this man has one reception. 78 yards. One reception <laughs> in his entire career. Yeah. And he's, never, shame. and he's never done anything else. Uh, yeah, you can get Matthew Slater in there. But no, I think guys that changed the game, we got off top, guys that changed the game but weren't don't have the greatest numbers need to be in the hall of fame i don't know about randall cunningham because he didn't play he played long but he played injured oft injured and he was never on the field a whole the lot the one shot randall cunningham had to well he had a couple shots to win a Super Bowl. Uh, eagles with chris carter and and then the 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 um the vikings with chris, chris carter, carter randy moss yeah it was his shot and he got hurt and dante culpepper i'm pretty sure came in and played uh, really well dante culpepper um that was really that was his best shot to win the Super Bowl, and he got hurt, which sucked. Um, but again, that's another guy. He changed football. Nobody did it like Randall Cunningham. So let me ask you a guy I, that also will ne- all pro punter <laughs> that will never be in the Hall of Fame, and it's another one that I think among casual fans we, we'd say his name and they'd go, "I'm I don't know who that is." But diehard football fans that lived and breathed not just fantasy football but actual football, mm-hmm. Darren Sproles. He's fifth all-time in all-purpose yardage, right? Mm-hmm. He's up in, like, the 19,000-yard range. 
he has you know over eleven thousand career punt returns or thousand uh, return yards. Mm-hmm. He's got like three hundred receiving yards, like or three thousand receiving yards, like four thousand rush yards. It's it's not super great, but he did set an NFL record. He led the NFL five years in a row in all-purpose yardage. He set an NFL record with like 2,600 or 2,700 all-purpose yards in a single season with the Saints in 2009. Yeah, Darren Sproles was everything for the Saints in 2009. No. 10. 10. 10, yep. 10. So that's a guy that I look at and go, he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, and it's a shame to me. See, so Darren Sproles for me, five foot six. <laughs> yeah. For me, Darren Sproles was a guy that shouldn't have been there. No. Fucking found a way, had an incredible career, you can't take anything away from Darren Sproles. No, no. Darren Sproles... For me, one of the greatest football players of all time. Pound, Not one of the greatest... Pound for pound. Yeah. One of the greatest football players of all time. He he made his mark, and he's played... He's a little long in the tooth now. He's hurt, right? Torn hip flexor. I think he just retired. He, he was up in the air. Yeah. But maybe he should, right? Like, okay, it's time to retire. But there was a stretch for about eight seasons there. And five in a row... Yeah. Where when he was with the Saints and the Chargers, where you're like, Darren Sproles does it all. Darren Sproles is pass catching back, uh, you know, running out of the backfield, a return guy, kick and punt. Darren Sproles literally did everything. Yeah, the dude, when he was in New Orleans, he catching balls out of the backfield, running out of the backfield, returning punts, returning kicks. The guy did everything for us offensively. Yeah. And in special teams. So, we agree that... Mike Vick and Devin Hester, we both believe, should be in the Hall of Fame. What Devin ab- Hester's weird, but... Yeah, agreed, agreed. What about guys that aren't eligible yet, but we've talked about some other players that need to be in there? Um, I'm going to lay it out. Steve Smith should be in. And that's what we're talking Guaranteed. about. We're running a little long here on this segment, and I don't want to break it up because we've got some distractions. Yeah, okay, we got a dog attack in the back door. <laughs> um, we... We were talking about guys that are Hall of Fame eligible, right? That aren't in the Hall of Fame, and we believe that's absolute trash. What about guys that aren't eligible yet? Guys that haven't made their made their mark at seven years after the NFL. Um, guys like Steve Smith, who just retired as of recently. Um, Patrick Willis isn't eligible yet to make that. Megatron is not eligible to make that yet. Um, we'll, we'll come back into that one here in a second. Okay, sorry about that. We had a little another technical difficulty. Um, it's the problems of not having an actual studio to record this in. So we were talking there at the end, um, about guys that, just give us a little more time to talk about this too. Uh, guys that we think deserve to be in the Hall of Fame that aren't eligible yet, right? Mm-hmm. They just retired as of somewhat recently. It's a seven-year wait, I'm fairly confident. Um... You believe, and I believe, both that Steve Smith should be in the Hall of Fame. Steve Smith is legit. He's everything you want in a football player. He's passionate. He's fiery. He's five foot eight and willing to fight anyone on the football field. Yeah. And he was an incredible receiver. So, my question is, again, this goes back to my Isaac Bruce question. If Steve Smith makes it in, where's Isaac Bruce? Well, we both agree, though, that Isaac Bruce well, should that, be in. Is that, do you put Steve Smith in before you put Isaac Bruce in? Oh, Isaac Bruce should, should, yeah, Isaac Isaac Bruce Bruce should, should already be in. in the Hall of Fame, right? 
But if it comes time and you're like, oh, man, we're going to put Steve Smith in and Isaac Bruce is sitting there with puppy dog eyes and you can only put one or the other in. See, that's the that's where it becomes generational, right? Because for me, Steve Smith's going in, right? For me. Isaac Bruce's numbers, I think, are better. Um, oh, a lot better. Yeah. But for me, like, I watched Steve Smith play. Yeah. We saw how great Steve Smith yes. was. I, I, mean, you know, I watched Isaac Bruce play, too, but... We, we watched Steve Smith play for a long time. We saw that Carolina, Derek Anderson and, and, and Jake DeLome and Cam Newton, like, they didn't have much. Yeah. I mean, Greg Olson. Greg Olson has been great. I think Greg Olson's probably a Hall of Famer. Greg too. Olson is a Hall of Famer, Should I think. Be. Is that going to be another issue? Is it going to be, well, Greg Olson, like, tight end number-wise is great. Steve Smith's numbers for a wide receiver are great, but they're not that great. I hope not. I hope I hope Steve Smith gets in. He's kind of, and as a Saints fan, you know, I don't like pulling for Carolina Panthers. But Steve Smith's one of those guys that, it doesn't matter where he played. Yeah. He was great, and he deserves well, to Well, I mean, he played with the Ravens for two years and was an absolute Menace. machine. Yeah. Yeah. He, re- he helped. He gave Joe Flacco his like first legitimate receiver that Joe Flacco had like ever had. Yeah, like ever. <laughs> um, so there's some other guys on the list we can talk about, right? That we agree on. I'm gonna kind of keep Steve Smith as the benchmark. If you think Steve Smith's Hall of Famer, I think he should be. If him and Megatron come up at the same time, because Steve Smith's numbers are better than Megatron. That's tough because Megatron. Although his career wasn't long, he could have been the greatest receiver I ever got to watch. Right? <laughs> and I, I watched a whole lot of Randy Moss, but Megatron was fucking special. Megatron still, to me, might be the best receiver I've ever watched up to Julio Jones. And yeah, I know you Julio don't like to talk about the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't won anything, and they lost a 28-3 lead. <laughs> so I, I, it's easy to not be salty, considering that they lose everything. <laughs> Julio Jones is ridiculous, though. I'll give you that. If Julio keeps his current pace up, mm-hmm. what's Julio's? Can you look up Julio's stats? Because we know Megatron. I think Megatron's, we believe Megatron's a Hall of Famer. Should be. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I think he should be. You think, ooh. I'm fine if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. If it takes a year or two like it took T.O. to get in, I'm not going to be upset about it, right? I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, here you go. That's fine. I believe in you. He's a Hall of Famer. We've both talked about, we both preached that Patrick Willis should be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm fine with him not being a first ballot. I'm fine with guys whose careers ended with injury that didn't play that long not being first ballot Hall of Famers. Right? I'm fine with guys like Terrell Davis. It took a long time for Terrell Davis to get elected to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But he finally made it, and I was fine with that. Like yeah. he, he got the recognition. Like He deserved it. Cool, thank you for playing. If Megatron isn't first ballot, if they come and say, nope, he's not first ballot, but we're going to put him in next year. I'm okay with that. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Same thing with Patrick Willis. Hey, I can't put him in this year. There's some other guys that are first ballot. We'll they play. He will get in maybe next year or the year after. Like, cool, sweet. I'm Patrick fine Willis with that. is coming up in the next year or two, isn't he? Uh, 2000 and... Was it 13 or 14? I think 13. We'd have to look. Yeah. But he's coming up. What do you got for Julio? So Julio's got 762 receptions. Uh... 11,681 yards and 55 touchdowns. Those are, right now, those are Michael Irving, Rod Smith numbers. Those are like damn near identical. Um, so right now you're 
you're somewhere in between Rod Smith and Michael Irvine saying he's not a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. And I'd be fine with saying Julio isn't a Hall of Famer right now. But if he plays another five years at that pace... I mean, his numbers are better than Megatron's were. Yeah, Megatron... The thing was, Megatron retired. Remember yeah. that. No, I, but where he's at right now is already outside of touchdowns. Yeah, Megatron had, well, over 100 touchdowns. The dude was a freak uh, or close to... Oh, 83? Okay. Mm-hmm. God, I feel like Megatron just had... Was so much better than he probably was. And it wasn't that, like, Megatron was bad. I'm not saying that by any means. But I think Julio has kind of taken that place of Megatron. Especially since he's been gone now. We've kind of gone to the route of Megatron. Or like, it's gone to the route of Julio Jones versus Megatron. Um, we've obviously talked about Larry Fitzgerald will be a first battle Hall of Famer. There's another guy. If you find his stats aren't super great, they're probably not top 15 all time in receiving. Mm-hmm. But I think it's equivalent to Steve Smith. And that's one Anquan Bolden. Because that dude was every bit of the same as Steve Smith. He wasn't a loud mouth like Steve Smith was, but you weren't going to go tackle Anquan Bolden and just yeah. get away uh, with it. Over 1,000 receptions, almost 1,400 receiving yards, 82 touchdowns. 14,000 14, receiving yards. My brain today. It's all bad. It's the, the fucking long week. <laughs> <laughs> so he's another guy like maybe I think deserves, but that's – Maybe that's what we're starting to talk about. Like, not everybody can get in. Yeah, I mean, he's offensive rookie of the year, single-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Pro Bowler. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know that I would put out Anquan Bolton in, but for me, Steve Smith gets in. I'd be fine putting Steve Smith in over Anquan Bolton. I think I'm fine with that. Um, we talked about earlier some guys that are – that are eligible, that should be in. Um, we talked about Isaac Bruce. We talked about Tory Holt. Reggie Wayne is now making a semifinals list, and he's just been retired, so he'll come up his first time. It's really eligible, right? Yep. Does Reggie Wayne get in? Fuck, dude. For me, it's like let everybody in. <laughs> <laughs> I love Reggie Wayne. Well, that's the thing. Is like there were so many good receivers. Who was the most dumb? Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison were so good. You got to think that because obviously Peyton Manning's first battle Hall of Famer. He's yes. gonna get in. Megatron never had Peyton Manning, right? Megatron had Matt Stafford for a long of his career. All of his career minus one season? Two. Was it two? Because mm-hmm. I thought it was like, oh, wait, they drafted Megatron, and the next year they drafted Matt Stafford. I think 07, and then Stafford was 09, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's, like, that's my argument for Randy Moss versus Jerry Rice. Randy Moss never had Joe Montana. He had Tom Brady for one year, two years, I think, maybe. Yeah. So it's hard for me because Megatron never had Peyton Manning. Like, Reggie Wayne had Peyton Manning, and then Reggie Wayne had Andrew Luck. And there was one year in between there where it was really bad, and nobody talks about that. Cause, <laughs> Curtis Painter? Yeah, we just act like it didn't happen. I think the Paints put up, the Paints, the Saints put up like 54 on that team. Curtis, poor Curtis Painter. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I, I think Reggie Wayne gets in. I think if you let Marvin Harrison in, you've got to let Reggie Wayne in. Is Marvin Harrison in the Hall of Fame? Is he not? I don't believe Marvin Harrison's in the Hall of Fame. This is where I'm getting at again. <laughs> getting at the utter disrespect by the NFL and the Hall of Fame committee. I don't believe he's in. Um, start. Yeah, 2016 he was oh, inducted. Was he inducted? Yeah. Okay. okay. I bought through my phone at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Marvin Harrison's inducted. So yeah, 
I think Reggie Wayne's got to be inducted. Right. What about? Let me pull up numbers really quick because this is a number I know we've dropped when we talk about players that just don't get the respect that they deserve. Ooh, what do you got? Guys that had really good careers but just don't get talked about at all, right? Yeah. And my pick for that is always Donald Driver. <sighs> Donald Driver is like seven hundred and like seven hundred and seventy some odd receptions. And seven forty three for over ten thousand sixty one touchdowns. He again falls in the Rod Smith, Michael, Michael Irving. Irving debate. That to me is right there. Pull up his running mate, Greg Jennings. Because this guy, no, they had Brett Favre and and Aaron Rodgers, yep. right? That was it. Was mostly Brett Favre for Donald Driver. He was out yes. of there pretty quick once. Yes. Um, um, Greg Jennings went for five hundred and seventy receptions for eighty three hundred yards and sixty four touchdowns. I hate Greg Jennings. Yeah. I have a personal story why I hate Greg Jennings. He kicked out Champ Bailey's knee in a game one time. Uh, he on Madden one time oh. broke his leg and ran for 80 yards on the Saints. I don't like him over a Madden video that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole my dick video. <laughs> There's a guy. We pull up another stuff and we're going to be on. So, like, Donald Driver again falls into that Rod Smith thing. They didn't win Super Bowls with Donald Driver, and that's the Pro Bowls weren't there for Donald Driver. He kind of fell by the wayside with a lot of great receivers. Rod Smith, when he was in the NFL, was a top three and top four receiver. Donald Driver was not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel bad for him there. Bring me up Sterling Sharp. He is the the famous brother of Shannon Sharp. He's a guy that... Injury. Injury. Yeah. Got hurt. Could have been one of the greatest receivers of all Sterling time. Sterling Sharp was on a pace. Uh, so he played 112 games. Uh, 595 receptions, 8,100 receiving yards, 65 touchdowns. So he's right there with Greg Jennings. He just... Should have played longer than he did. With a guy like Terrell Davis getting in the Hall of Fame, I think Sterling Sharp should get the recognition to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Because Terrell Davis didn't play that many games. Terrell Davis played eight seasons, and he played like four healthy seasons and then four like super not healthy seasons and still made it in the Hall of Fame. Um... It's it. I guess the Hall of Fame one's tough for me when you look at it in general. Like you can't let everyone in. I get that. I would open the floodgates on all the guys we talked about today. Though. <laughs> <laughs> There's, but it's just certain things when you talk about right. A guy like Randy Gladisher who has two hundred or two hundred tackles a season for his career, over two thousand tackles. You're telling me that guy doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They were looking at me and saying a guy like Isaac Bruce, who retired number two all time in receiving yards. And receptions doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, we talked about a guy like so with all this with Isaac Bruce, right? Not being in the Hall of Fame. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Frank Gore doesn't make the Hall of Fame. Frank, he should be in. I gotta pull something up here. You get what you get. It. I just think on this topic. There's a lot of players and a lot of teams, you know, like Steve Largent's a Hall of Famer up in Seattle, mm-hmm. and he was a good receiver. He was. But was he better than Isaac Bruce? No, he was not. You know, um, I just, there's a lot of guys, a lot of time, like we would love to talk about that are super great. Like, so Keyshawn Johnson and, and Chad Johnson were both super fun to watch, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think either of those guys has ever been in the Hall of Fame. Two of my favorite players of all time, but no. 
they were like loudmouth physical fund receivers. And so maybe that's that's something we have to step away from and look at recency bias, right? Like we need to step back and go, or, or were these guys, they were great for two, three-year stretch, but they were never the most dominant? Well, and to you and I, it, I think we're good at stepping back and saying, hey, like Chad Johnson, one of my favorite football players oh, of all time. yeah. He's not doesn't, all of, doesn't no. deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. No. One of my, like, hands down one of my favorite players of all time. Guy was a fucking blast. Doesn't deserve to be yeah. in. What about a guy like, um... Donovan McNabb. Ooh, that is a tough one for me. Can you pull his numbers up? Are you looking on that? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at somebody else's numbers right now. Hold on. Okay, who do you got? Cause I... <laughs> so I, I pulled up Edron James's numbers. You, yes, Edron yeah. James. Over 3,000 rushes, uh, 12,000 rushing yards, 88 touchdowns, or 80 touchdowns, excuse me. Um, I'm trying to find his receiving stats because... Edron James is... is stupid. Edron James is on like... He's on the bubble for me. He's another guy that falls in that Anquan Bolden type of role. Like, could make it in a really weak class. 12,000 rushing yards and 80 touchdowns. And then receiving, he's got 3,300 yards. So 15,000 yards all time. Yeah, right. and 11 receiving touchdowns. Okay, so Edron James to me is another guy that falls victim to a bad team, right? Like, because he played in the Colts. He followed... Mm-hmm. He followed um, he followed Marshall, uh, um, Marshall Falk, like he was Marshall Falk, and then it was like Edron James. Mm-hmm. Edron James also played after Emmett Smith in 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 Arizona. I'm fairly confident. Um, he followed him, so he followed two Hall of Fame running backs with a great career, but he played on bad teams, right? Like, so the Colts were good mm-hmm. when he was there, but they weren't the best team in the NFL. And when he was with the Cardinals, the Cardinals were a joke for a long fucking time. And Andrew James was about the only thing right with them. And I think that he, he falls victim to that. That's definitely something that happens, right? Teams that don't win games, if you're not a winning franchise, you don't, you're probably not going to get in the Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where like a guy like Michael Vick probably never makes it. Is because while he was super dynamic, they weren't great football teams in, in Atlanta. And yeah. even with the Eagles, they weren't super great. Um, you brought up a guy, though, that I personally believe uh, doesn't get the respect he deserves. And it was a lot to do with his postseason choke ability in Donovan McNabb. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe Donovan McNabb has a place in the Hall of Fame somewhere. Um Obviously, his first ballot's up and gone, and that's fine and dandy. Uh, the numbers aren't great. Are they not? Do we remember Don McNabb for more than what he was? We might. I mean, 37,000 passing yards, 234 touchdowns. What was his interception? Uh, let's find out. Touchdowns, and maybe, interceptions, 117. And so, maybe, that's, two to one. maybe that's where it's at, because we, we talk about the NFC East being a bad... Yeah. A bad division. He just dominated a really bad division for a long time. You know what? I, I'll I'll back off that one. I could say Don McNabb's not a Hall of Famer. I mean, he in Philadelphia, he had two seasons his whole career while he was in Philadelphia that were under five hundred. His rookie season, and then in two thousand and ten, they went five and eight. He was a winner. 
oh shit, that wasn't even in Philly. In 2005, they went 4-5. and five. Yeah. So it was Ricky year in 05. He was a winner. Like, but I was... he also had, I mean, he had uh, T.O., he had... He had stars around him. Tio did not like Donovan McNabb. Yeah, but I mean, they're still on the same team. No. I think we can go on and on about this topic. We need to find more guys. We talked about some of it today. Um, there's a list of players. So if you guys are listening, um, I know a couple of you guys like to comment on the pod. If there's players on your team you felt need to be in the Hall of Fame that aren't, send me a list. Um, Thomas <laughs> We'll talk about more of it. Cause I can talk about the Hall of Fame and the wrongs of the Hall of Fame all day. Um, I think it's a good exercise, though, because it, it could walk me back and looking going like, yeah, I do believe Rob, Rob Smith deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but there's some other guys that, there's need, a lot to of make, guys that yeah. need to make the Hall of Fame before him, right? And that's fair. Guys like Randy Gladisher need to be in the Hall of Fame. There's some guys like yeah, Randy Gladisher needs to be in the Hall of Fame to me before Patrick Willis. Yeah. And it's no offense to Patrick Willis, but a guy that has over 2,000 – a guy that's like – right up there with Ray Lewis in tackles, and Ray Lewis played a whole seven seasons longer than Raddy Gladysher. So, like, Ray Lewis got, like, tw- like 2,100 tackles, I believe, like, in some change, mm-hmm. and Raddy Gladysher's, like, 2,061 tackles, and Ray Lewis played a whole seven years longer than Raddy Gladysher. <laughs> Ray Lewis's career, though, is impressive because well, he, of... He, he played through... Basically, three different generations of football. And it's not saying Ray Lewis is or Randy Gladisher is better than Ray Lewis because Randy Gladisher had four career sacks. <laughs> Ray Lewis is like the only guy of like the 40 30 club, I believe, or something like that. Like 40 sacks, 30 interceptions. Like he's dominant. interceptions, yeah. Yeah, he's like the only member of that. Like Ray Lewis is the most, one of the most dominant defensive players in NFL history, if not the most dominant defensive player in NFL history. I'm not saying Randy Gladisher deserves to be an over <laughs> Ray Lewis. I'm just saying look at the tackles. It was a whole different ball game back then. Shoot. What? Ray Lewis's tackle numbers are fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2,055 combined tackles, over 1,500 solo tackles. So go look at Randy Gladysher's for me. So you said 2,055 mm-hmm. tackles. Go find a Randy Gladysher and look at his totals per year. How the fuck do you spell Gladysher? It's uh, G-L-A-D-I-S-A-R. There might be an H in there. Um, you guys are getting a little bit of a inside look at our own biased opinions today. <laughs> this is a free roam podcast. Uh, yeah, Ronnie Gladysher, man. There's another guy. And like you said, he was retired long before I was even born. Looks like he did a whole lot of acid. Randy Gladysher is a 60s guy. Uh, let's see. Okay, we've got some stats. Maybe. Potentially. No. Kind of concerned, guys. Yeah, Going it's not giving me any tackle stats. Here you go. Let me look for something real quick. I got this. Don't worry. Don't worry about this. I believe in you. Yeah, that one. Let's go here real quick. Popping into my group here. Sorry, guys. This is not where we wanted to be. Not where we wanted to be. It's all my fault. I didn't do any homework. <laughs> so, Randy Gladysher had 2,049 career tackles in nine seasons. Jesus. It's yeah. all the acid, dude. He just wanted to touch everybody. And he was an NFL. He was a defensive player. He was the NFL defensive player of the year. He's a seven-time Pro Bowl or a six-time All-Pro linebacker. And 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 the 
defensive player of the year and never made the Hall of Fame, right? Never did it. Where's your Google? We're going to Google this thing. Oh, top right. Top right. No, bottom left. Bottom left. <laughs> you're, you're confusing me. Sorry, guys. We're having technical difficulties. So, bam, 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 bam. Randy Gladysher. That's weird. You're getting in trouble later. I just Googled some lady. So, I'm going to break down his tackles per season here in a second. NFL statistics. I had him in here somewhere. Oh, yeah, he's a hard one to find up. Right. Big up. I had looked it up at one point in time. <laughs> the NFL officials just can't find his stats, so they're like, fuck it, he's not making it. <laughs> he's not making the Hall of Fame. He was a guy that, like I said, averaged over 200 tackles per game, or per season for his career. And it's it's just one of those things. I just don't understand how some of these guys make the Hall of Fame and they don't. Um, we're going to end the podcast there, guys. We're kind of rambling a little bit. It was a long weekend. Uh we love you all. Again, give us some more ideas, and we need some ideas. We need some help. Um, it's, it's great for us to have some topics. We're going to continue to look as the, the season goes on and talk about some other players and some, some greatness on some guys. Um, let us know what you want us to talk about. Give us ideas. Um, we have an idea from Austin we would like to do. It's going to take some time and probably be an off-season podcast. Build the best team we could possibly build with first-round busts. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be real rough. We have one for Cody and his wonderful girlfriend. Um, we're going to try to explain American football the best we can. Um, for us, <laughs> for us, it's second nature. We just see things and know what's happening. So we've never really had to break it down. We just learned the game, and it's been second nature. So it'll be a fun, fun task for us on that side of things. Um, but hit us with some ideas, guys. We'll love to talk about anything, anything related. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, again, I'm Steven, and this is For the People Football. Hit that uh, hashtag for the MF people. This is your boy Tyler. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you. you.